This morning's passage is a rather eye-opening section of the Word of God. This morning we look at a passage in which God, excuse me, in which David becomes angry with God. Why in the world would David ever be angry with God? Why would anyone be angry with God? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been angry with God? The essence of this message is we want to guard our hearts so that we do not become angry with God. Last week, we considered the way in which David sought the Lord's guidance and direction when it came to going to war. David relied not on his own plans and schemes, but rather sought the Lord's direction. He did exactly what God had told him to do. This morning, however, we find David failing to follow the Lord's direction and the fallout that that produced. In particular, we look at David's anger in his response toward God. The key verse is 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 8, which reads, And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Para-Uzzah to this day. So we look at this example of David and his anger towards God. The first thing we want to note is the circumstances that led to David becoming angry with God. David was transporting the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem in verses 1 and 2. David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on the cherubim. And they carried the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Benadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah said, and Iho, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart for the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. Initially, while the ark was being transported, everyone was celebrating the goodness of the Lord, and they were having a great time. This was a tremendously festive occasion, and they are just rejoicing in the Lord's goodness, verse 5. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. So there's music. It's a, it's a festive, joyous occasion. However, that celebrating is going to come to a sudden halt. As they were moving the ark, the oxen stumbled, the cart rocked, the ark teetered, and Uzzah reached out and steadied the ark so that it would not fall, verse 6. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. When Uzzah touched the ark of the covenant, God became angry, verse 7. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. When Uzzah touched the ark, God was angry, and God struck him. And in verse 7, it says, And God struck him down there because of his error. And he died there beside the ark of God. The reason that God struck Uzzah was because what he did was wrong. It says in verse 7, that God struck him down there because of his error. Uzzah should not have touched the ark. As a result, Uzzah died right then and there. End of verse 7. 
and he died there beside the ark of God. On account of God striking Uzzah dead, David becomes angry with God. That is David's response, verse 8. And David was angry because the Lord had taken, had broken out against Uzzah. And that place is called Para-Uzzah to this day. David was angry. David thought that God acted inappropriately. David thought that what God did was wrong. That he never should have struck Uzzah dead. Now, more on that in just a few moments. But first, we need some background here to better understand this text. And that is background to the Lord's action in killing Uzzah. Why would God do such a thing? That's the first thing we need to, to understand. Why would God do such a thing? Well, first of all, the law clearly forbade touching the ark for any reason. In Numbers chapter 4, verse 15, it reads, And when Aaron and his sons have finished covering the sanctuary and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, as the camp sets out after the sons of Kohath shall come to carry these. But they must not touch the holy things. The law also clearly stated that anyone who touched the ark would die. Verse 15 of Numbers 4. But they must not touch the holy things lest they die. So when Uzzah touched the ark, the Lord became angry and killed Uzzah, just as the word of God said would happen. Verse 7 of chapter 6 of 2 Samuel. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God struck him down there because of his error, namely in touching the ark. So that's the background. Now a closer look at David's anger against God. Verse 8. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. That place is called Perazah to this day. The basic reason that David was angry with the Lord is given to us in the text. We don't have to guess, we don't have to imagine. It says, and David was angry, and now these words, because, because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. To break out is to manifest his wrath. God manifested his wrath against Uzzah and struck him dead. David was angered that God would do such a thing. Interesting that in the text we have God's anger and we have David's anger. God is angry at Uzzah for touching the ark. David is angry at God for striking Uzzah dead. David views God's action as inappropriate. David thinks it wasn't right for God to strike down Uzzah. Perhaps in your own reading of the scriptures, uh, maybe in time past you've come upon this passage and kind of, you know, kind of rubbed your head and said, what's going on here? Why would God strike down a person for such a thing as steadying the ark? Now the scripture doesn't tell us exactly, but we can certainly deduce some of the reasoning that would have gone on in David's heart and mind. Why would David view God's action as inappropriate? Well, we might ask ourselves some questions, and we might reason in our own hearts. Wasn't Uzzah's heart in the right place 
by wanting to prevent the Ark of the Covenant from hitting the ground? Wasn't that a good thing? Wasn't it better to have touched the Ark rather than to let it fall? Now, there's only two choices here. Either he stands by and watches the Ark topple off of the cart and fall to the ground, or he reaches out and steadies it. Now, wouldn't it be better to steady the ark and keep it from falling than to allow it to fall on the ground? Wasn't Uzzah's act actually an act of worship? Wasn't it actually him giving deference and honor and glory to God by what he did? Didn't on this occasion the ends justify the means? Isn't it understandable? that on this occasion, that he would touch the ark. One could rationalize, certainly God did not envision a time in which this ark is going to stumble, the, 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 the oxen are going to stumble, and the cart is going to teeter, and the ark is going to fall off. That certainly wasn't in the mind of God. And so on this instance, certainly it was the right thing to do to, to touch the ark and to steady it. One might argue, Uzzah shouldn't have died. He should have been rewarded. He should have been praised. God should have been delighted in him. God should have expressed his appreciation to Uzzah for preserving the ark. Those must have been some of the thoughts that ran through the mind of David, for David was angry. He thought God was wrong. He thought it was inappropriate for God to strike Uzzah dead. Wasn't God being ungrateful? Wasn't God being small at this point? Unfortunately, such reasoning is all too common. It is easy for people to justify and excuse actions that God says are wrong. People often violate the word of God and in do so say, well, we're actually worshiping God. We're actually serving God more faithfully by being disobedient. In this instance, in this situation, it's justified. We should live contrary the word of God. Unfortunately, it's not all that uncommon for people to be angry with God. However, one is not in the best of company when one is angered with God. Not all that unusual, but it's not good. Cain became angry with God when God did not accept Cain's sacrifice. God had told Cain and Abel what sacrifice to offer, Cain refused to offer the sacrifice of an animal for he was a vegetable farmer and he offered his vegetables instead. But that offering was not acceptable to God and in Genesis 4, 5 it reads, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was angry with God. How dare God not accept my offering? How dare God not 
receive these gifts that I am bringing to him. And because God rejected Cain, Cain became angry. And in that anger, of course, he's going to kill his brother Abel. Jonah was angered with God when God granted repentance to the people of Nineveh. Jonah hated the people of Nineveh. And when God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and to preach to them repentance, he wanted nothing to do with it. In fact, he went the other way. God was gracious and got Jonah's attention, and Jonah finally went and preached. And then we have this account. Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, when God saw that they, what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. He was angry at God for granting repentance to the people of Nineveh. He thought that was wrong. God should have struck him dead in his mind. These were evil people who had done terrible things to the nation of Israel, and therefore God was wrong. He shouldn't forgive them. He shouldn't accept them. He should strike them dead. And he was angry. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Yes, Jonah, that very question. Jonah, do you do well to be angry? Well, Jonah is quiet. He doesn't say anything. And so then God provides another situation for Jonah to learn a lesson. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. So he's outside the city, he's pouting. Now the Lord appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry. Angry enough to die. Yes, it's right for me to be angry. That's pretty remarkable. God asked him to stop, consider, reflect, think. Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Yes, yes, it's right for me to be angry. What you did is wrong. Have you ever struggled with being angry with God? Saying to God, what you've done is wrong. What you're asking of me is too much. What you brought in my life is unjustified. It's undeserved. I don't deserve that. God, what, what you were asking, no one should ask. That's just inappropriate. God, if you do this, you're not just. You're not righteous. 
I won't accept that decision. It's wrong. It's wrong. That's where David is. Well, we find in the text, to no surprise, that David was at fault. God was not. And that's a very important lesson for us to understand. David was at fault. God was not. David did not follow the law of God in the manner in which the transport, to which the ark was to be transported. The text tells us in verse 3 that they transported the ark on a cart, verse 3. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab. The scripture taught that the ark was to be transported by the priests who were to carry the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. Now, this Ark of the Covenant was built in such a way that on each of the four corners of the Ark, there was a ring. And there were poles that were made out of acacia wood and overlaid with gold that would be slid through these rings and would stick out on either end, and the priests were to pick up the Ark of the Covenant without touching it by lifting it up by these poles and setting the poles on their shoulders and walking and carrying the Ark in that manner. And it's described in Exodus chapter 25, verses 10 through 14. Starting in verse 13, you shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and you shall put the poles in the rings on the sides of the ark to carry the ark by them. There were detailed commands in the word of God regarding how the ark was to be moved, and those commands should be followed. Transporting the ark of the covenant by cart was not simply an alternative method that did not matter. It was a sinful act of disobedience. Putting the Ark of the Covenant on a new cart certainly was not a better way of transporting the Ark. Notice verse 3. It carried the Ark of God on a new cart. Perhaps they thought, perhaps they reasoned, In the time of the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, and they were given laws as to how to transport this ark, well, they didn't have certain things at their fingertips. They they didn't have certain luxuries. They didn't have animals, necessarily. They were able to offer sacrifices, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I I really don't know as to, to what degree they had beasts of burdens. We... And, uh, and carts, we don't know, but maybe they thought this was a better way, a new and improved means of transporting the ark. It certainly was easier, no question about that. It was less bother to put it on a cart than it was for men to be carrying it on their shoulders. It was easier. But we have this emphasis in the text, not only was it put on a cart, but it says it put on a new cart, verse 3, new cart. Putting the Ark of the Covenant on a new cart 
was not a more God-honoring way of moving the ark. I suppose that they used a new cart as a means to show respect and honor to God as opposed to an old cart. They didn't want an old, dirty, worn-out cart. No, they had a spanking new cart to put this Ark of the Covenant on, and probably was even a, a dedicated cart, a consecrated cart, a cart even made for that occasion. A special cart, if you will, just to move the Ark of the Covenant. Problem is, that's not what God wanted. That's not what God said. They were giving outward praise to God, but their outward praise was not more glorifying than their obedience. Look at verse 5. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. They're giving honor and glory to God. They're saying, God, we love you. They're rejoicing. They're excited. But the very thing they're doing goes against the word of God. So David's angry. Here we are, we're worshiping you. And you will not accept that worship. It is amazing the way people justify their actions in violating God's word and actually think that in doing so, they are honoring God. I won't go into specifics, but if you stop and you can think about it for a while, you, you can come up with examples in your own mind, perhaps in your own life, but certainly in other people, because we're much more tuned to what other people do than what we do. We, we can readily see how people go against the word of God, but say, in this instance, not only is it right, it's better. This is what I should do. This is the right course of action. It's better to violate the word of God than to do what it says. And when that happens, and someone points it out to them, it's easy to become angry. It's easy to become angry. When one does something, thinking that they're doing it to honor God, and someone says, well, that's not very God-honoring, there's a pretty good chance that the person's going to become angry. Because they're more concerned about their pride than they are in really bringing honor and glory to God. More concerned about what they want than what God wants. What's pleasing to them rather than what's pleasing to God. And so they get angry. The event was notable. And the place became renowned because of what the Lord had done in verse 8. And David was angry because the Lord had broken out against Uzzah. And the place is called Para-Uzzah to this day. Para-Uzzah means the breaking out against Uzzah. Last week we noted how God broke out, same word, 
against the Philistines, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 20. And David came to Baal, Perezim, and David defeated them there. And he said, the Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. Therefore, the name of the place is called Baal Perazim. Same word, different form. This was God breaking forth. This was God showing his power. And they are praising God for showing forth his power. Now, in this case, God is showing forth his power against Uzzah. And David is displeased. But it becomes notable. It becomes a place of history. And is not to be forgotten. And so today, even thousands of years later, we're still talking about this place. Hera Uzzah, where God's wrath broke forth against Uzzah for touching the ark. I want us to look at some of the negative consequences of David's becoming angry with God. What happened as a result? Well, notice the negative consequences. First, David became afraid of God, verse 9. And David was afraid of the Lord that day. He was afraid of the Lord. God viewed, David viewed God as harsh, as arbitrary, as capricious. What is this God like that we are serving? Secondly, David became irrational in his relationship to God due to his fear. Verse 9, and David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, and now notice these words, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? How can the ark of the Lord come to me? In essence, David is saying, <clears throat> God is unreasonable. <clears throat> if God is going to act that way, how will I ever move this ark? How can I ever do anything that's going to please God? How can God ever be satisfied? David views it as an impossibility, but of course it isn't. But he's ready to throw in the towel. Third, David becomes obstinate in refusing to submit to the Lord. I really would encourage you to look at verse 10 and circle these words. So David was not willing to take of the ark of the Lord of the city. He said, that's it. That's it. I had enough. I quit. I'm not moving the ark into the city. I'm leaving it out here. If that's what God wants, that's what God can get. Here it is. It stays here. He's unwilling to continue on with his service for God. So David takes it to the house of Obed-Edom instead in verse 10. So David was not willing to take the ark of the Lord into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. So now it stays outside the city. Application. First, one cannot use worship as an excuse for disobedience. We saw that in the life of Saul, to obey is better than sacrifice. Here we find it again. We find it again. You cannot use worship as an excuse for disobedience. 
God is never better served through disobedience than he is through obedience. One cannot say that their heart is right when they go against God's revealed will. We, we fool ourselves. If we say we are right with God when we are unwilling to do what God says, it's an impossibility. It can't happen. God stands in judgment over us. We do not stand in judgment over God. He determines what's right. We don't determine what's right. And we stand in great danger when our actions are viewed as unacceptable and we refuse to admit it. Now, when I say we stand in great danger, what, what is remarkable is that in this passage, as it dies, David doesn't. In the Jonah passage, Jonah doesn't die. In the Cain passage, Cain doesn't die. This, quote, harsh and unreasonable God proves to be very reasonable and forgiving. But what we find that we need to be in danger of in this passage is, first, eventually, if we are unrepentant, we will become angry not only with God, but with others. And perhaps most importantly, we will become spiritually cold and indifferent to the work of God. This celebrating of God comes to an immediate halt. God is no longer being celebrated. God is now being relegated to Obed-Edom's house, and David is unwilling to continue serving. David is unwilling to bow before this God. He becomes indifferent to his God. Well, thankfully, the story does not end there. David eventually repents of his anger towards God. David sees anew the goodness of God. First, three months passed, and it was evident that the Lord was blessing Obed-Edom, verse 11. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. God is not so bad after all. And having this ark is not a curse, but a blessing. News of God blessing Obed-Edom is brought to David, verse 12. And it was told King David, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. He's being blessed by having the ark in his presence. So David, once again, sees the ark now as not a source of cursing, but a source of blessing, verse 12. So David went out and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. David once again rejoices and brings the ark to Jerusalem, and to verse 12, with, with rejoicing. But now we, we find some interesting changes taking place. First, David submits to the law of God 
and move the ark in the proper way. Verse 13. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps. Notice those simple words, those who bore the ark of the Lord. This time it's not on a cart. This time it's being carried. Now, there's much more detail of this event given to us in 1 Chronicles. In 1 Chronicles chapter 15, a parallel account of what happens. So now we are in a situation where Uzzah has touched the ark. David has left in Obed-Edom. Now David decides to move the ark of the covenant again. 1 Chronicles 15, listen. Then David summoned the priests Zadok and Abiathar and the Levites, Uriel, Asiah, Joel, Shemaiah, Eliel, and Abinadab, and said to them, You are the heads of the father's house of the Levites. Consecrate yourselves, you and your brothers, so you may bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place that I have prepared it. David now is willing to accept blame for not following God's instructions in how the ark was to be moved. Listen to these words, 1 Chronicles 15, 13. Because you did not carry it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not seek the Lord according to his law. David numbers himself with the transgressors. David doesn't say, God's anger broke out against Uzzah. He says, God's anger broke out against us because we did not follow God's law. David's willing to say, the problem's not with you, God, the problem's with me. The problem's with me. So the priests and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. And the Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with the poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of God. So now they moved it the right way. David acknowledges his sinfulness and the goodness of God by offering a sacrifice. Back to our text, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 13, a condensed version. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fatted animal. As soon as they took six steps, he offers a sacrifice of repentance, and of honor and glory to God. David, once again, experiences great joy and delight in God, verse 14 of 2 Samuel chapter 6. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. What a difference. David is angry with God. And now... David danced before the Lord with all his might. He is just so excited. He is so happy. He is so rejoicing in this gracious and good God. David's anger had turned to joy and delight, not just in words, but in his actions. Everyone could literally see that David was pleased. There was no question. 
His whole demeanor, his attitude, his body language. He's breaking out in dancing as he accepts this God is a gracious and good and loving and kind and merciful God. What a different perspective. What a different perspective. And a true worship results. For next we see that David humbled himself before God by taking off his kingly attire. Verse 14. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. David was wearing a linen ephod. This was a great symbolic act on the part of David. David had taken off his kingly robes. David had taken off every vestige of honor and authority. And he put upon this himself this very plain linen ephod. He not only was inwardly submitting to God, but outwardly he was making a statement. He was saying, I have no authority before God. Who am I to contradict God's word? Who am I to go against him? Who am I to say I have a better way? Who am I to say I'm more loving? Who am I to say I'm more just? Who am I to say I'm a better king than the king of kings and the Lord of lords? And so he puts on this linen ephod. And next week we're going to see that Michael really despises him for it. That's next week. But here, David is truly, truly, truly submitting to the authority of God and rejoicing in the privilege of doing so. True humility. Observations. It is not uncommon for people to be angry when they think that God has not acted inappropriately and unreasonably. First, some are angered because their worship is not accepted before God. Some people, when you share the gospel with them, become angry. What do you mean? What do you mean? I'm a sinner. What do you mean? My actions are not acceptable to God. What do you mean? Who are you to tell me that I'm in need of a Savior, that I need repentance, that I need forgiveness? People can become angry with God when they find out that their works are not acceptable before God. Some people become angered when they find that what they have done is not acceptable to God and they need to be repentant, but they don't want to be repentant and they don't want to acknowledge that their actions have gone contrary to God. In fact, they want to justify those actions and say, I was right in what I did and become angry and alienated from God and others. Still, others are angry when God does not act in the way that they expect. 
When something comes into their life that's untoward, difficult, hard. And people think, I don't deserve this. I've been faithful to God. I, I have been praying. I have been serving him. And now this hardship has come into my life. This tragedy. This death, perhaps. This infirmity. Some people become angry with God. What you need to keep in mind is when we become angry with God, we have ceased to worship him. It is always inappropriate for us to become angry with God. It's always inappropriate. There are no exceptions to the rule. There are godly people, David, Jonah, there are godly people that have become angry with God, but... It's never justifiable. We're in the wrong. And it's good for us to keep that in mind. We're in the wrong. It's never justifiable no matter how much we rationalize and justify it in our own minds. When we become angry with God, we're showing our rebellious attitude towards God and irreverence for his word. When we become angry with God, it's a spiritual detriment or when we become angry with God we lose our desire to rejoice when we become angry with God we lose our desire to serve him when we become angry with God we fail to see our pride and when we become angry with God we need to repent but it is wonderful that we have a loving and gracious God that grants us repentance that grants us acceptance. What we need to do is humble ourselves. Humble ourselves. Who are we to raise a fist towards God? Who are we to become angry with him? Who are we to say we have a better way? Or We are more loving. We are more kind. We are more gracious. David humbled himself. Inwardly and outwardly. And his heart was moved to rejoicing. Giving him thanks. And the blessing of bringing the ark of the covenant to Jerusalem. And We'll see that in a couple of weeks. God's goodness and God's blessing. May God preserve us. May God keep us. May we not become angry with God. And this morning, if for any reason you are angry with God, I implore you, search your own hearts. Ask yourself the question that God asked Jonah. Are you right to be angry with God? But don't give Jonah's answer. Who says, yes, I'm right to be angry with God. No, no, no. We're not right to be angry with God. And may we, by his grace, see his goodness and his grace and his loving kindness and his faithfulness and his mercy towards us. For we do serve a holy, 
loving, gracious, righteous God. Let's pray. Almighty God, help us this day. Guard our hearts. For there are occasions in which we think we know better. There are occasions in which we think we've been treated unfairly or unjustly. Maybe, maybe we, perhaps we don't say those things, for we are too spiritual to say it and too knowledgeable to know that that's true. But yet, inwardly, in our emotions, we say it. In our struggles, we say it. In our doubts, we say it. In our actions, we say it. Oh, Lord, help us to be a grateful, celebrating, rejoicing people for all that you bring into our lives. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.